And our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. What a wonderful God we serve. Let's just go to him in prayer. Father, we just want to say, Lord, again, how much we love you and how much we appreciate you, Lord. There's truly no one like you, Lord. You're our God. You're our Savior. You're everything that we have need of and so much more. Lord, we ask, Father, you'll come and minister to our hearts and touch our needs tonight, Lord, as only you can, Lord. Come, Lord, I ask, Father, that you would come. And, Lord, no doubt if I asked if hands would be lifted all over this building, you would, they'd be all over, Lord, lifted up, asking for needs and situations, Lord, that we can't handle or we can't do anything about. But, Lord, there's nothing too hard for you because you're so great. We ask, Lord, that you would just come and touch each life, Lord, according to your word and according to their needs. Lord, those that are sick at home, those that are shut in, Lord, each need, Father, we just reach out to you, Lord, and ask God you'd move and you would touch. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. To be together in the midweek is just a wonderful thing to just kind of come and let off the pressure for a minute and... Allow the Lord to uh, move and touch hearts and lives, and amen. We're just thankful to serve a God like He is, because there's no one like Him. Amen, and what a great God He is. Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 15 and verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried to them, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And the disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I'm not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Amen. We'll let you be seated. I want to speak to you on faith to persevere. Amen. Faith to persevere. I was looking at the meaning of perseverance. It says it's a continued effort to do or achieve something despite the difficulties and failures or the opposition. It's the action or condition or an instance of persevering. Amen. A steadfastness. 
And, you know, I, I got to look, and we know the, cha- the faith chapter is Hebrews chapter 11, and, and I, I, I got to looking on uh, different times the Bible spoke about perseverance, and I found it pretty interesting to me that at the end of Hebrews chapter 10 and then at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12, it would actually be a theme that Paul had on perseverance. And it says here in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35, it says, cast not Away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience. And this patience is the same word as a steadfastness or a perseverance that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So he's saying if you don't have patience or you don't have perseverance, then you're going to give up and you're not going to receive what you have need of. Amen, because as we talked about before, what Jesus said, when I come, will I find, find faith? And, and, and we, we, we look at that many times at the end time, sometimes about when he returns, will he find somebody that's still believing? But when he comes and answers your need or your request, will he find you still there in faith, believing, amen, that he's still going to come and answer your need? And this is what he says here. He said, forget a little while, and he that shall, will, shall come will come and will not tear, tarry. But now, that, now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And, and I, I, I want to just read that and amplify because I, I think it just brings out some, some great points. It says there, again in chapter 10 and verse 35, it says, Do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence, for it has a glorious and great reward. For you have great need of patient endurance to bear under difficult circumstances without compromising, so that when you have carried out the will of God, you will receive and enjoy the full what is promised. For yet a little, very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one, the one that's justified by faith, shall live by faith. Amen. My righteous, my righteous one, the one justified by faith, shall live by faith. And he, if he draws back or shrinks in fear, my soul has no delight in him. But our way is not that of those who shrink back to destruction, but we are of those who believe. Amen, I love that. Our way is not that of those who shrink back to destruction, but we are of those who believe, relying on God through faith in Jesus Christ, and by this confident faith, preserve our soul. Amen. And also in Hebrews chapter, 20, uh, chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we are also comp- uh, compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I want to read again in the Amplified. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by 
so great a cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness. Stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of faith, the first incentive of our, for our belief, and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him, enduring the cross, disregarding the shame, and set down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. Amen. So it's not just to have faith, but it's to have faith that perseveres. Amen. Faith that holds on no matter what the situation is around us. You know, it's real easy to have faith when things are good and you're not sick and there's, you know, plenty of money in the bank account. But what about having faith, amen, when you're going through difficulties of life? And, and we're all going to go through them. We're, it's, a, it's a struggle of life that we're in. It's not going to get any easier or any better, but it's going to get harder and harder until we cross over onto the other side. But I believe there's a people that, amen, are not of those who's going to shrink back, but they're going to be of those who's going to believe. That's going to believe no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the situation is around them, no matter what the atmospheres are around them, but to stand fast, therefore, in the calling of that God has placed in their life. And, and I read also in James chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, blessed or happy or spiritually prosperous and favored by God is the man who is steadfast under trial. Amen. Steadfast under trial and perseveres when tempted. For when he has passed the test and been approved, he will receive the crown of life with the Lord has promised to those who love him. Amen. So blessed or happy or spiritually prosperous or, or favored by God is the man who is steadfast under trial. In other words, when you go through a trial, it doesn't change what you believe. It doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change anything about you, but you, you persevere you push through it, you go through it no matter what. I, I believe we ought to be those kind of people, amen. I know it's very easy to kind of give up and put, get depressed and all that kind of stuff, the, the things that we go through in our lives, but these, these things that we're going through are only opportunities for God to test our faith, to test if we really believe who he is, if we, if we really believe he's a provider, if we, we really believe he's a healer, if we really believe, amen, if, if our names could be written in he Hebrews chapter 11. Amen. If our names could be written there, amen, is by faith Enoch or by faith Timothy or by faith John or by faith whoever, whatever your name is tonight, amen, by faith they stood there in the midst of their trials in the darkest age there ever was, amen, in a time of great turmoil and wars of rumors of wars and they didn't give up, they didn't turn around, they didn't shrink back from their place and their calling but they were steadfast in the faith that God had given 
given them. And I, I believe that's the kind of people God is looking for. He, he's looking for real soldiers, amen. Not somebody that gets in the middle of a fight and wants to cower down and, and, and back off somewhere, but somebody that'll stand in front of it and say, this is what God has called me to be. This is who God has called me to, amen. As a child of God, I'm a son of God. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what situations are around me. I believe anyhow. I believe he will provide. I believe he will heal. I believe he will deliver. Whatever my need is, I believe he can do what he said he would do. Amen. You know, I, I look at this little woman, this little Greek woman. You know, she had heard of maybe how Jesus had healed different ones. And maybe, you know, his uh, reputation had gotten around. And, and she had heard of different children getting delivered. So there's something inside of that, you know, because faith comes by hearing. And, and she began to believe, well, if he could do it for them, then he can do it for my daughter. You know, and faith, you know, finds a source that others don't see. It finds something to anchor to that your feelings can't express or, or your thoughts can't bring it all into words. It doesn't, you know, it, it, you can't see it, you can't taste it, you can't feel it. But faith is standing there. And when she heard, she believed. She, she might have heard maybe of a neighbor's daughter that being healed of epilepsy or, 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 or maybe something else had taken place. And here her daughter needed healing and she had heard Jesus could do it and she believed that he could and no matter how much other people didn't believe it didn't hinder her faith amen because she had a source there was something on the inside that had been revealed to her that God was able to heal God was able to deliver he said when a man's got faith in God he's got a hold of something he can't explain Amen. He's got a hold of something he can't explain. It's something he's got a hold of. He can't push it, shove it, pull it. It takes him. That's the way faith is. When a man really got faith in God, it finds a source that others don't see. Amen. This Greek woman had heard these words. She had believed it. She had many hindrances, but her faith didn't have hindrances. Amen. There was hindrances that came across her path, but her faith stood strong. She, she, she was going to push through anyhow. Amen. You know, you got faith. You, if you got a faith that knows no defeat, it's a positive thing to you. So it doesn't matter what hindrance comes or if the doctor's report gets worse or, or the symptoms getting worse. That has nothing to do with faith. Faith is not anchored on a doctor's report. Faith is not anchored on a symptom, whether it's good or whether it's bad faith is anchored in the unfailing word of God and the word says by his stripes I'm healed period Amen. So some of them might have said, you know, uh, you know, some hindrance might have been, well, you know, he wasn't even, he's of a different race. You're not the right race. You're a Greek. You're Seraphonician. You're, he's a Jew. So he wasn't even sent to you. You know, in other words, Brother Bram said it like this. He said, in other words, your, your denomination is not, you're not part of this revival or your church is not part of this move. You're, you, you're not part of this, but she was, he said, but she was a human being and she she had been created by God and she had a need and God could meet that need. 
Amen. She had faith that she was going to get it, whether a denomination, her denomination was cooperating with it, or her church was, or her family was. It didn't make no difference to her. She had a need, and she was going to get to him. And he said, maybe another hindrance was somebody would say, well, it's too late. You know, days of miracles are past. There's no more miracles no more. It might have been no more for them, but for her, she still believed. And that's the way I look at it. You want to say days of miracles are past five. They're over for you, but for me in my house, I still believe he can do miracles. I still believe he can heal and bring deliverances. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It matters what his word said. But something in her kept pushing forward. Something in her kept going forward. You know, something inside of her told her she was going to get what she asked for. Amen. You know, he said, oh, people tonight, if you can only hold that in your heart, that God is here to give you the desire of your heart. Amen. If you'll meet his conditions, nothing will stand. There might have been a bunch of women coming there and said, well, look, Sister Lydia. He said, that might have been her name. I don't know. Do you understand that your husband will leave you if you do this? No doubt, but what? She loved her husband, but she couldn't curse or bless that which was in her. Something was telling her she had to get to Jesus so her daughter could live. Amen. And when she got there, something was going to take place, husband or no husband. Amen, some of us got to make those kind of choices. Amen, husband or no husband, wife or no wife, I got to get to Jesus. Amen, it doesn't matter if I got family or no family, or I got this one that loves me or they don't love me. matters not. I want to get to Jesus. Some of them might have said, well, what are you going to do with this afflicted child if this fails, if it don't work? If, if you don't get what you're looking for, she knew something inside of her knew it wasn't going to fail because she saw him that he was more than just a man, that that was God veiled in human flesh. Some of them said, well, you know, the circle you belong to, they're going to draw you out. And, and society is going, you know, your people is going to laugh at you. Well, laugh or no laugh. It made no difference. Something was inside of her and she was going to push through. Amen. Some of them might have said, well, you'll be put out of your church. Put out or not put out. She was going to go on her road to Jesus. There was something that was going to take place. Nothing was going to stand in her way. No hindrance. She was persevering. And finally, she arrived where he was. And you think now she got to where he was, now she's going to get what she needed. And he said, many people think just because you get to where he at, it's over with. That's wrong. He can come here in this building tonight and show himself alive by, after 2,000 of years by the things he promised to do. He did it. He does it every night. He does it everywhere. He proves he's still alive. You can be in his presence, but that's not all of it. Come on, somebody. You can be in his presence, but that's not all of it. You got to push through that. Come on, somebody. Amen. You push through a lot to get here tonight, but when you get into his presence, there's more pushing to do. There's more perseverance to do. It's not just sit there on your padded pew and, and enjoy a 30-minute TED talk or something. No, I want, I want to get to Jesus. I don't want to just get to my pew. I don't want to just get to my church. I don't want to just get to a good sermon. I want to get to Jesus. 
I don't care if I have family or no family or this, that, and another. This one laughs at me or no laugh. I could care less when I get into his presence. I want to get to Jesus. Sometimes you might face, you meet difficulty when you come into his presence. Boy, that fell over right just like a brick, didn't it? Well, I thought I got in his presence and it's all good now. No, he said sometimes you meet difficulty when you come into his presence. She did when she arrived. Then Jesus, he was, you know, then Jesus said he wasn't even sent to a race. The very one she come believing in turned her down. He said, this is a lesson. She'd been through all the gates of sorrow. She'd been through the gates of disappointment. Something impulsating inside of her. When she got to him, he turned her down flat. And he said, her race was nothing but a bunch of dogs. It's not meat for me to take the children's bread and feed it to you dogs. He said, what, what if he had called the Pentecostal dogs and I bring it on current? What if he called you a dog? Well, I tell you what, I got somewhere else I can go to church. I tell you what, I, I, don't, I, I ain't got to listen to that. I, I don't, I, come on now. What, what if he had said, you Methodist dogs, you Baptist dogs, you, Methodist, you message dogs, you bunch of dogs, I wouldn't even sit to you. But if you got a hold of something and something's got a hold of you, you will stay right there. I'm not sent to you, race of dogs. It's not meat for me to take the children's bread and give it to you. I'm not sent to you. Your, your company's not even sponsoring this. You're not a part of what I'm doing. It isn't meat for me to take my time with you. You're nothing but a dog. My, why should I waste my time on you? What a disappointment that had been to a woman who didn't have faith. Come on, somebody. What, what a disappointment that would have been to a woman that didn't have faith, that wasn't determined. Listen, it's going to take a determination to make a rapture. It's going to take a determination, amen, to get something out of this service tonight. It's going to take a determination to make it another day. And then when he don't come, when we ask, we want to just give up. Well, I tell you what, I asked him, and he ain't said nothing. Uh, he's wanting to see, will I find faith when I come? Will there be somebody still there knocking? Hey, Amen. What? But she held on. She wasn't, see, the difference was, and this is a quote, she wasn't a hothouse plant that had to be babied. Amen. We, we're going to get through this little part right here and then we'll get to some good stuff later, but let's go through it while we're here. One of these kinds you have to be sprayed over. He said, see, a good healthy plant, you don't have to spray it. A good healthy plant, a bug won't get into it. It's full of health. A good born again faith in God, a real genuine Holy Ghost faith, nothing's going to turn it down or turn it away or turn it back. It can't do it. It's persistent. It's going to go to the goal that God promised it would have. Nothing is going to turn it around. It's going to go anyhow. She wasn't a hybrid. 
You know, Brother Bram said today we got hybrids. Talk about hybrid corn. He said, I see the signs out here. It's no good. It's killing people. He said, look at Reader's Digest. He said, they wrote an article that said, if women keep on eating it, what's going to happen? They won't have their babies no more. And 20 years from now, they won't be able to hardly give birth to children. Just breaking it down, cancers will be able to take hold more and more. Boy, well, I tell you what, we've seen a lot of that happening. Everything, the whole thing's worm-eating. Jesus said, God said in the beginning, let every seed bring forth of its kind. You take a hybrid corn and hybrid of corn seed and hybrid it and plant it, plant the same seed. Next year, you got nothing. You might have a better looking grain. You might have a better, maybe a, a better looking leaf, but you got nothing. It's hybrid. He said, you take a jack and you hybrid it to a mare. You got a mule, but a mule can't breed itself back. There's no life inside of him. Amen. He's most, and he said, he's the most ignorant thing on the earth. He said, I've drove them all my life. He'll wait till his last dying minute to kick you. Amen. He don't know nothing. You can teach him nothing. You can talk to him till you're blue in the face. He said, like a lot, a lot of so-called Christians with their ears sticking out, ha, 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 bray, bray, bray. Days of miracles are past. No such a thing as healing. But you, he said, you don't know, but he don't know where he come from. He don't know who his papa is or his mama is. He said, but a real genuine thoroughbred, thoroughbred horse knows who his papa, his mama, his grandpa, his great-grandpa, his great-great-great-all. All the way back, he knows where he come from, and so does a genuine born again Christian know where he come from. His origin was not with John Wesley or Luther or somebody else. It began on the day of Pentecost when God Himself came down among the people. He is the Word made manifest. Other ones say, "Well, I don't know about that." See, that's a donkey hybrid. Direct quote, I know this stuff ain't popular no more and it ain't politically correct, but it come to the wrong spot to get political correctness. I'm about sick of that spirit. What that is, it don't want you to call black, black and white, white. Wrong, wrong and right, right. It's a bunch of gray stuff. Like it's, a, it's the first signs of the pale horse rider. It's all mixed. Everything's right and nothing's wrong. That's a lie Satan. Sin is still sin. God still feels the same way towards sin today as he did millions of years ago. He hasn't changed. Man's changed. People get their feelings hurt because a pastor preaches a little hard. Well, you wouldn't have lasted in that sermon. Come on. It's the truth. She was no hybrid plant. She got a hold of something. Talking about this woman again. He, you don't have to baby her. Now, darling, please, let me beg you. You should come on down to church. Everything, every, no, sir, everything tried to hinder her. And he said, a real Christian fights for his position. He has to stand alone, him and God, but he'll fight every inch of ground. You don't have to baby him around. That's the matter with the Pentecostal church today. We got Pentecostal babies that's just been sprinkled and sprayed with this and that and other until it's run out a bunch of hybrids. What we need today is a house cleaning. From the pulpit all the way to the janitor and start over again. Get some genuine faith born in the people again. She wasn't a hybrid or so-called crop of believers is today. What did she do? She admitted, you're right. Whatever he calls me, he's right. 
Come on, whatever God calls me, he's right. Amen, she admitted he's right. The faith always admits the word is right. If your faith don't punctuate every word of God with an amen, there's something wrong with your experience. The Bible said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you don't say amen, there's something wrong. The works that I do shall you do also. If you don't say amen, there's something wrong. If it don't punctuate the word of God promised with an amen, there's something wrong. But she admitted he's right. You know, there's a real problem with people who can't admit they're ever wrong. Something wrong with their experience. It's always somebody else's fault for the way they are. So, you know, it's always somebody else's fault for where they're at and what they're going through and all this stuff. Somebody else's fault. Hybrids. Amen. She admitted she wasn't nothing but a dog, but she was after a crumb. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be us. No, no. We'd have to sit on the right seat. If they don't minister me tonight, I'll not go back the next night. See what a difference it was. She put, put back and shoved back, shoved out, put aside. Outside, she was determined. She was persistent. She was persevering. Something on the inside of her told her she was going to get it regardless of how long she had to wait. What she had to go through, what she had to deal with, she was going to get it anyhow. She was after the crumb. She didn't have to have the full course dinner. She said, yes, you're right, Lord, but the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. That's the way to do it. Don't take the high seat, take the back seat. Amen. I ain't talking about the back seat in the church either. He's talking about high seat, low seat. I mean, be the lowly one. I ain't talking about some false humility either. I'm talking about really submitting yourself to the word of God and saying, Lord, I, you're, I'm wrong and you're right. Amen. Just be the little person. The way up is down. Amen. Always. He that humbles himself shall be exalted. He exalts himself shall be abased. The way up is down. Always. Remember, she had never even seen a miracle before. She was a Gentile, but she had faith. She had heard about it and, and, and faith comes by hearing. And she had the right approach to God's gift. That's the only way to ever receive anything is to come with the right approach. She was first Gentile that a miracle was ever performed on faith amidst the word is right. It's humble and reverent and the same as today. Be willing to take any part, any part, anywhere just so I get there. Come on, bud. That right there needs to be wrote on all of our walls. Be willing to take any part, anywhere, just so I get there. If I got to be the foot wash flunky, it doesn't matter. As long as I got a spot at that table. If I got to be the lowest of the lowest, I could care less. As long as I got a seat at that table, that's all I care about. 
Doesn't matter if I got my name written in the, in the, in the highlights or some sign somewhere or this, that, and the other or on some poster. That matters not. It matters not if my name's on a flyer or my picture's on a flyer. That has nothing to do with it. I could care less. What I care about is being there on that day when the dead in Christ rise. And I know when something's happened. I ain't, on, I ain't caught unawares and I don't know what's, if that is going on and I don't know nothing about it. I want to know when they rise because when they rise, I'm going to be changed to be just like them. So it don't matter what we got to do or who we are or who we ain't. As far as humanly speaking, what matters is who we are, sons of God, and who we ain't are children of the devil. There was a, there was a, Brother Brandon was pre, preaching down in Mexico. You don't know the story. Several thousand people had gathered. Brother Espinoza was down there, and he was, he was his interpreter. And there come an old blind man into the, across the platform, couldn't see at all. And he said, I looked. I had good shoes on and good clothes. And he had ragged trousers all tore off and old hats sewed up and his blind white beard hanging down. His old big old feet, maybe he had, hadn't had shoes on in years, dusty all over, totally blind. I thought my dad would be about his age if he had lived. I slipped over to him. I said, how do you do? Brother Espinosa interpreted. I set my foot up beside him to find out, you know, checking to see if his foot was the same size. He'd give him his shoes. But my foot was much larger, or his foot was much larger than mine. I put my shoulders up against him. I was going to put my arms around him. My shoulders were wider. His shoulders wider than mine. I'd seen that I couldn't even give him my coat. I thought, God, what can I do? Poor old fella probably hasn't had a decent meal in his life. There he was eating old rejected tortillas down there somewhere, but yet had spent what little money he had to get a grease candle and burn a million dollar on a million dollar gold altar for his sins. Living such superstition and darkness as that. And I thought, what a time. Why can fate be so evil? And I put my arm around him and I said, oh God, have mercy on him. About that time I heard, glory adios. And about that time I looked around and he could see as good as I could running across the platform. <laughs> Next night there was a rack of old clothes and shawls, shawls and, and hats about three or four foot high. And like this all the way across, how they ever knew who that belonged to. He said, I, I don't even think they, I don't even think they cared. They come to church that morning about eight or nine o'clock. No seats to sit down right there in the pouring down rain, just leaning up against one another. Women with their hair all hanging down, holding their children, things pouring down rain about nine o'clock. I wouldn't be there till eight, eight thirty or nine that night. Eight o'clock in the morning in the rain, eight thirty or nine that night. You're talking about some perseverance. Amen. They'd be sure they was going to get, but they wanted to be sure they had a place there. They, they wanted to be sure to be able to stand there. And they were waiting till I come in. And so they let me, they would let me down on a rope ladder on the back arena and, and, and I walk out to the platform and Billy Paul and man, I call my, manana, which means tomorrow. Cause he was always so slow to come get me. So he said, I called him manana. God <laughs> say, just come tomorrow. Cause you done run today. <laughs> So he brought me over there and he let me down and I come in on a platform and Brother Jack Moore, many of you know him, 
He was with me and Brother Espinosa and several of the brethren. And when we were standing there on the platform, Billy come and I, I heard that great roll, thousand times thousands sitting there. And he said, Daddy, you have to do something. There's a little Spanish woman over here. She's got a dead baby in her arms. And that baby died apparently this morning. They say early. And Manana give out all the prayer cards. And he ain't got a prayer card. And, and I ain't got one. And she's determined to bring that baby into the prayer line. And said, we got about 400 already in line. I said, well, just make her stay back because she gets ahead. They'll start every one of them doing that. And we can't do that and tell her to get back in line maybe tomorrow. And we're going to be here tomorrow. Give her a prayer card then. He said, you come over and try it. Said, I got 300 ushers there that can't hold her. And said, she weighs maybe 90 pounds and you can't hold her. She runs between the legs. She jumps over the shoulders. Amen. And everything while carrying this dead baby. You're talking about persistence, perseverance. Say, whatever blockade doesn't matter. I, I got to get in line. I got to be there. And I said, Brother Jack, she don't know me. Won't you go down there and you pray for her? And, and said, so he said, I wouldn't. And I was speaking on faith being the substance of things hoped for. And as I was speaking and the translator was translating, Brother Jack started down to pray for the baby. And I looked right in front of me and there was this little Mexican baby with no teeth, was so little, smiling, looking at me, laughing, a vision. I said, wait a minute, Brother Jack, bring that baby here. And so they opened up the way and here comes this little woman with prayer beads in her hand, falling on the floor, hollering, Padre, Padre. I said, don't do that, stand up. And I asked her when the baby died and said it died that morning in the doctor's office about 9.30 or 10 o'clock. Hey, and, uh, nine, nine o'clock, about 9 o'clock that morning. Here's about 10 o'clock the same night. And then she was soaking wet and just drenched with everything. And, and you know, maybe it was her first baby. She looked maybe 25 years old. I said, Brother Espinosa, don't, don't interpret this prayer. But I've seen a vision of this little dead baby out here laughing at me. It might be the baby. It might be the baby. It might be the baby. And I put my hands upon the little blanket. And I said, dear heavenly father, I don't know if this is the vision or not, but I seen that little baby. You're ready to call it back to life. Then I call for its life in the name of Jesus Christ. And about that time it let out a yell and kicked that blanket and began screaming to the top of its voice. But what would have happened if that little mama would have gave up? It'd be a tombstone somewhere written with his name on it. Maybe if it was that lucky, might be an unmarked grave somewhere, but that woman had a need. And she had heard a blind man and been given his sight. And said, if God could do that, he can raise my baby to life. And there wasn't enough ushers in the building. There wasn't enough anything to keep her from receiving what had been placed inside of her heart. Oh, God, if we could come with that same intensity to the service. God, I have a need. It might not be a dead little baby, but it might be a dead child out there somewhere. It might be a dead, dead deadness in your own life. And you say, God, I have a need. I got to get there. There ain't enough devils to stop me. I'll climb over them. I'll climb under them. I'll run through them. Whatever. I have to get to Jesus. I've got to get to where he's at. She was persistent. Nothing was going to stop her. She was perseverant. Though a priest would have put her out of her church, 
no matter what happened, she happened to be looking at the fence a few nights before. She seen an old blind, looking at the fence a few nights before, she seen an old blind man receive his sight. And if God could give sight to the blind, he could raise the dead. She had a need. She was persistent, like this Seraphonician woman. And she got her desire because she was perseverant. You know, it's amazing sometimes we will, can fight through all kind of adversity to get to the house of God and then give up and get back in the same car with the same needs and the same situations and never talk it over with him because we got into his presence. But it's more than that. It's pushing through. The violent takes by force. Amen, there's a perseverance, there's a persistence there. There's something in a drive on the inside. I don't come just to sing a few songs. I don't come just to hear some good music. I don't come just to see everybody. I come to see Jesus and to have a conference with him that he could come and meet me. We said before you got five senses in your body. God gave those senses. See, taste, feel, smell, and hear to contact your earthly home. But that has nothing to do with God. Well, you see, taste, or you, usually I'll just use these two, maybe three. See, feel, or hear. And we think that contacts God. Sure, you, you, they can be uh, made, a, you know, the senses can come to have a reaction when God comes, no doubt. But whether you see him, whether you feel him, or whether you hear him, hear him, that has nothing to do with God's here or not. What ha- has to do with, with God is here or not is what his word said. And his word said he would be. So where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'll be. So, amen, he promised he would. But we got to understand that when we get here, it's not just the end of story. But there's got to be a press. There's got to be a push. There's got to be, amen, a, a moving into, into other realms. You know, so, so easily we get to this place. We, you know, we, we, we fought, whatever, I don't know, what all you fought to get here? Bad moods? <laughs> no supper? Whatever. Car trouble? Late, on, late at work, still going to push through, and you get here, but then all of a sudden our minds are worn with this over here. And, we're, and before you know it, we've been distracted for 20 minutes and we have missed all what's been happening. It happens. Uh, we get to thinking about tomorrow, next week, and what all's happened maybe yesterday, and what we got to do, and what's going on, and all the stuff has happened. And before you know it, let's all stand. Wow, where have I been? And we totally missed our moments and our times because we allowed something else and we, became, we allowed some, somebody, something to stand in our way. Now, this, this little woman, this little Mexican woman, she was facing physical things, physical ushers, physical gates, physical rain physical things that was trying to block her. But maybe it ain't necessary physical things tonight, but de- the devil is constantly there trying to stop the word of God, trying to hinder it, trying to stop the moving of the spirit, trying to keep things back because he, he really don't care if you come to church. He comes to church. He just want to make sure you don't receive something while you're at church. So... Uh, 
all of our taste and feel, smell, and hear, that has nothing to do with God. Although we rely on them, faith is something different. Faith is the sixth sense. When you contact God, and you can only contact God by the sixth sense, which is faith. You can't even please him without faith. These senses was given to you to contact this earthly home. They were, not by, they were by no means to lead you. What if I refused to look anymore and I just bound up my eyes and I said, I refuse to look. Finally, I'd go blind. And that's when my boy comes in, I tie his eyes up. No, sir, there's no such a thing as sight. And I tie his eyes up. Next thing you know, my father told me there's no such a thing as sight. So I tie up my boy's eyes. First thing you know, our generation would become born blind. If you don't use your sixth sense, they become dormant. Amen. That's why the devil wants to keep you on these five senses because he wants that sixth sense to become dormant in your life to where you can't really contact God. That you can't declare he's here when you don't feel him. That you can't declare he's here when you don't see him. So that's what the church has done to the sixth sense God put in them. He just placed faith off in miracles and signs and things that contacts God that gives them the Holy Ghost and things. He places it off over there, back off somewhere else till that thing has become dead. This one said there wasn't no more healings. This one said there wasn't. Pretty soon they're raising up generations that don't even believe in God. How do you think we got to where we at? Because somebody is tied of knots over their eyes and refuse to look around them and say, God's there, God's there, God's there, God's there. Nature declares God. The stars in the universe declares God. But somehow we got whole generations today that doesn't even believe in him. Why? Because for generations they have tied their eyes shut. And this has happened spiritually as well. Churches are tying their eyes shut. The, the eye to, that can see, the ear that can hear, they're putting their fingers in it, their spiritual fingers in their ear, and they don't want to hear things of God no more. And pretty soon they're raising up generations that doesn't want anything to do with God anymore. That comes to just to have a feel-good time, you know, a, a simple church. How do we get to a simple church? Because people put their finger in their ears. Because they put blinders over their eyes and they refuse to see what God was doing among them. Until they've come now to where they got the gospel according to Michael Jackson. And they got the New Year's Revolution according to the Beatles. That's the church right there in Shreveport, Louisiana. The simple church. How'd they get there? Because for generations they've closed their eyes and willfully looked away from the things God has done. So now they're being born without eyes. Born without ears. Brother, that's what the church has done to the sixth sense. They just placed faith off miracles and things like that off what he used to do. You say, well, God's a healer. Oh, what about that God, God, God's a healer? Well, if he ever was a healer, he's still a healer. If he ever was a savior, he's still a savior. If he ever was God, he's still God. So see, the lack of faith that's been preaching to the people that makes them let this sixth sense or this faith lay dormant. 
And through the year, they'll run out, be sick, run to the doctor, say, doctor, I got something wrong with me. Doctor, look at this. Say, he'll try a man that's a good, uh, man that's a good, honest doctor will work just as patiently as he can with all the power that God has given him to operate with, do the things he should do to help you. Then the first thing you know, it advances on. Well, I, I just have to, and the doctor say, well, I just have to tell you, there's nothing more I can do. If you want to go to another doctor, go see him. Well, then you go to another doctor. He says, nothing will be done. It's too far advanced. He said, that's the time. That's the time to call on the sixth sense. That's the time to accept God. That's the time to rely upon the spirit of faith that God has put in you. The super sense is the Holy Spirit. It is the faith of God that dwells in you. <laughs> I like that. It's the faith of God that dwells in you. He, he imparted, if you got the, how many got the Holy Ghost? then the faith of God lives inside of you. The same faith that had faith enough to believe, let there be. Amen. If you let the five senses be yielded to the sixth sense, it'll, that will guide you and bring all these other senses under the control of that super sense. For it's so far above a natural sense as a spiritual man is above the natural. It is far as high as the heavens is above the natural man in his five senses. It makes you believe things you will never see. It makes you act the way you think the, you'd never act. The devil can get in those five senses. He can lie to you, but he cannot touch the faith of God. He cannot touch that super sense. It's far beyond his reach. Now, you're only going to get this if you're born again. You, you won't receive it. You might receive a belief, or you might receive a religion, but unless you're born again, you will not receive the faith of God. Amen, because it's not something that can be handed down by generation to generation. As much as one parent would love to give it to their children, we can't do that. But they must each be born again by the power of God. You cannot believe until you're regenerated or born again. The whole Bible says no man can call Jesus to Christ only by the Holy Ghost. Amen. See, it's, it, until then, you're just taking what somebody else said, or you learn by some intellectual understanding, or you learn by a natural way, or five senses. But when the sixth sense comes in, the Holy Spirit, it takes away all reasonings. It lifts you up into that place to make you believe things you can't see, you can't taste, you can't feel, you can't smell, or you can't hear. It does something to you. Then you can say, Jesus is the Christ. Why? Because you've witnessed it for yourself. Not some intellectual teaching that's been taught, but you haven't been, you have experienced it for yourself. The sixth sense. Sixth sense will go to work. He said some unbeliever, some infidel might come to you and look around and look at here. No such a thing as a Holy Ghost. You're just mistaken. You're crazy, just believe. There's no such a thing as that. And he said, that's when the sixth sense are begun to go to work. Let me show you in the Bible. Let me show you in the Bible where you can receive the Holy Ghost. And when we, well, the promise is not to your children. Well, let me show you in the Bible where it says it is. Amen. But the sixth sense knows better than to believe that nonsense. It's inside of you. It, they've said it too late. You've already received that. The people will talk say there's no such a thing as the Holy Spirit. They don't know what they're talking about because they've never experienced it. 
It's like we've said it before. No man is at the mercy of, no man with an experience is at the mercy of someone with just merely an argument. If you've experienced it, you've been there, they can say what they want to say. <laughs> you know, it'd be like somebody coming to me and say, you know, in the middle of Homer, there ain't nothing in the middle of that, 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 that little thing that goes around and around, all them buildings around, there ain't no courthouse there. There ain't nothing there. It's all, it's all just taken down and they got, they got, you know, some certain whatever, some kind of monument there now. They can say all they want to. I've experienced it. I've been there. I know what it's like. I live there. Amen. So you can say what you want to say about, about what, it, what it looks like. But if you ain't never been there, amen, you can't say what really is there. And that's the same thing with the Holy Ghost. If you haven't been there, you can say it's this or it's this or it's this. And you can call it all the names in the book you want to. But unless you've experienced for yourself, then you don't know what you're talking about. It's kind of like Brother Brown. <laughs> love this illustration. This infidel was talking this big talk about not being no God. And there's this little boy peeling the apple. He said, I want to ask you a question. He said, Okay. This is a little simple looking boy. Didn't look like a little delinquent maybe with hair hanging down his face, maybe one tooth out, old dirty overall jacket on. One, one question, just one question. Infidel said, well, I had just said there's no sense of such a thing as God. It's just emotion. There's, nothing, there's nonsense. And the boy said, well, I ask you a question. Is this apple sweet or is it sour? He said, how do I know? I'm not eating it. He said, just what I thought took himself another bite. He said, how do you know when you ain't tasted the Lord? How do you know when you never received the Holy Ghost, whether he's real or whether he's not? How do you know where there's faith and power if you've never experienced it? How do you know if it's not joy unspeakable and full of glory when you've never tasted it? But if you tasted it, you know what it tastes like. Then if you've tasted it, you could care less what anybody else's opinion is about it. I know I was there. I was there when it came. I was there when the spirit came. I know who he is. There's no intellectual powers will ever bring that out of you. The intellectual powers are reasons. Well, maybe it's just psychology. Maybe it's just work up. Maybe it's just emotion. Maybe it's, you know, just working the people up. But he said, well, when the sixth sense comes in and denies all those things and moves a person straight into the bosom of God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and is rewarded of those that diligently seek him. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. All by faith. It's the sixth sense that does that. You get prayed for. Let's say you got a crippled hand. You get prayed for and you, and you come up here and it, nothing seems to happen. You, you don't feel different in that hand. The old natural man begins to say, well, you know what? You don't feel no different. Matter of fact, it's worse. But the sixth sense to say that's a lie. You've been prayed for. It's healed. It's settled. Amen. He said, like a woman that came to our meeting one time, and she she was there was two of them actually neighbors, and you know the stories. But there's these two ladies coming to the prayer line, and this one had a stomach problem, and she was suffering really bad. She couldn't eat. 
And, 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 and the discernment began to tell her who she was and where she lived and what her problem was. And her face just lit up and said, that's nothing but the truth. And the Holy Spirit said to me, it's an ulcer and it's caused from a nervous condition. And you've been examined by a certain doctor. And he said, you, you, you would have to have an operation, have it cut out. She said, every word of that is true. And seeing she was such a great believer... Then it said, your name is Miss So-and-so, and you come from such-and-such place. She said, that's the truth. What was it? It was the sixth sense catching it. The sixth sense and the Holy Spirit was standing side by side. The Holy Spirit was speaking, and the sixth sense was saying, amen. It's when the Word saw the Word. Amen. There it is. Something has to happen. Now, are you going to reason all of that or are you going to believe it? And here she is. Thus saith the Lord, go home and eat. Jesus Christ makes you well. She went home. That night, a friend of hers living in the same neighborhood, third or fourth behind her, she had a big knot on her neck. And here she come all thrilled about this, seeing her neighbor who had been discerned and knew exactly it was exactly the truth. And this big knot sticking out of her neck, she come up and said, no one. He said, no, I said, no one had to discern that, but you're happy about something. You're just thrilled. Why? Oh, that woman that just got, to, just got told about her stomach problem is your neighbor. <laughs> My God, because that woman sitting over there rejoicing is a neighbor of yours. Holy, he said, that's the Holy Spirit. She thought, how in the world could that man know that? It has to be something to reveal it to him. So when it was said, you're thinking about your neck. Yes, do you believe it or leave? I believe with all my heart. Thus saith the Lord, go home and you will receive your healing. The natural man looked around and didn't see one sign. The neck was still just as big. The woman with the ulcer went home and tried to eat and she liked to die. He told her to go home and eat. You're healed. She went home and tried to eat and she liked to die. What if she said, well, man, that's a false guy. What in the world's he thinking? He almost killed me. That wasn't her testimony. She said, that man knew who I was. <laughs> he told me who I was. He told me my address. He told me my name. He told me I was that, my neighbor's neighbor. He knew all about it. He said, that wasn't a man. That was, some God, that was God speaking through a man. And he said it done something for her to where she began to, began to, to say the Lord has healed me. She went through the neighborhood. I, I, I'm healed. It's finished. Are you eating yet? No, not exactly. But by his stripes, I'm healed. No matter what it was, she was healed anyhow. And her husband, you know, told her, honey, you ought to quit talking about that healing because, you know, he was a Christian himself. You're bringing reproach upon the cause. But the brother said, how can you bring a reproach when you're testifying what the word said? Amen. You'll bring a reproach if he don't testify what the word said. Come on, we're not testifying. How many people are so willing to testify their feelings? And they can be wrong 90% of the time. But what about testifying what the word said? It doesn't matter what I feel like. It matters what he said about me. And he said by his stripes, I am healed. She said, that man stood, is what she said to her husband. That man stood and looked me in the eye and told me my condition and things that I've done and who I was and where I was from. I hadn't been in the building 15 minutes. 
when he come to the platform. How in the world could that man know all of that? I never seen him in my life. And he said, thus saith the Lord, you're healed. I'll believe that until I'm dead. Perseverance. (laughs) I'll believe that till I'm dead. I'll believe it anyhow. And her and her sister, her friend had a covenant to God. They would hold that faith. That morning she gets up. She's feeling kind of funny. A few minutes she gets hungry. Children had left some oats on the plate. Little dish said oats just always burn her up. If anybody ever had an ulcer, you know what it's like. Reached down, took a couple bites, said, oh my, might have to pay for it, but by his stripes, I'm healed. But she noticed she's still hungry. So she finished up that dish, and she waited a few minutes. Nothing happened, but got more hungrier. So she fried her a few eggs, poured her a cup of coffee, got some toast, and had herself a real jubilee. She just eat all she could eat, went ahead and washed the dishes. And about an hour, half an hour later, she was hungry again and no ill effects. She put on her little bonnet down the street. She went. When she got there, she thought she had been, there maybe been a death in the family. Was screaming and shouting and walking around. Woman had slept late that morning, got up, and the growth on her neck was gone and disappeared to the night. And she was shaking out the sheets to see if she could find it. He said, but what happened? He said, the healing angel come through the neighborhood. Hallelujah. And he walked in this house. Yep, when I come, there's faith. And she received her healing. Walked to the next house. Yep, there's faith. What if they had gave up just a day before? Perseverant. You have to be. You don't know when that healing angel is going to come through the neighborhood. Mercy. There's this crippled boy. I love this testimony. Been prayed for. He asked for some consolation. Brother Brandon, could you give me some consolation? He said, yes, sir. Son, polio's got you this way. He said, that's right. Your name is such and such. You come from a certain place. That's right. But what about my healing? I said, by his stripes, you're healed. He just told him the word. He went home testifying, giving God praise. He said, they brought such a reproach, they claim, in the neighborhood until one Sunday, a group of ministers came in and sat by and said, you got to stop doing that. You're bringing reproach upon the cause. He said, mister, if you're sitting where I'm sitting, if you were in the same chair that I'm sitting in, you wouldn't rob me of the last hope I've got in Christ Jesus. And he said, by his stripes, I'm healed. He no more said that sitting there, paralyzed feet, hands and body and back. No more than he said that. Out of the chair he went, glorifying God. His natural senses said he'd sit there. The doctor said he'd be there forever. But the word said, you are healed. And he wouldn't take nothing contrary to what the word said. This is where we have to be. 
news stations are saying World War III, nuclear, I mean, I mean, I ain't, but oh Lord have mercy, in my later 40s, <laughs> and I ain't never heard nuclear stuff so much in the, in the news. Everybody's talking, everybody's testing them. Everybody's trying and flexing their muscles. And it's very easy to get your eyes on that and think there's no hope. But there is hope. <laughs> Hallelujah. There'll be a bride without spot without wrinkle. Those that are alive and remain. That is the word. Shall not hinder those that are asleep. But you're going to have to be persistent. You're going to have to be persevering. You're going to have to push through. So if we got to push with such vigor and such steadfastness of heart and mind to go into a body change, why would we give up even in a service? And just let one slide by and another slide by. And before we know it, we missed opportunities. And, and, and we were sitting right there in the pew and missed it. No, no. I want to be. <laughs> let me ask you this. This crippled boy was sitting in the chair. And maybe these ministers was ch- sitting in the chair. Which chair would you want? Well, he's crippled, but he had believed. He was laughed at, but he believed. He was scorned, but he believed. I want that chair. I want the belief that no matter what comes my way, I'll still believe. Sure, I don't want to go what we went through. Maybe we won't all go through what he goes through. But we all better be sitting in the chair of belief. Not the chair of doubt and the chair of discouragement and the chair of whatever else. No, I'm believing. To my last dollar, I'm believing. To my last moment, I'm believing. I'll believe it until I die. I still believe. Let's pray. Get some persistence. Get some perseverance. My goodness. So many other things. So easy. The devil wants to tell you it's easy to give up. A lot of hard things you go through when you give up. He don't want to tell you about all of that. But he wants to make the give up seem like an easier path than pressing forward. I wonder how many just say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Give me a perseverance push through Lord maybe dark all around me but God give me the perseverance to just keep taking a step 
one of Brother Mickey King's favorite favorite sayings is just keep walking. Just keep walking. Take another step. He'd help me in some things in business when I was in business and he'd, I'd get discouraged about it. Timothy, just keep walking. It'll get better. Take another step. Maybe I just tell you that tonight. Put my voice with his. Keep walking. No doubt that's what we'd hear if we could actually hear with our ears tonight that cloud of witnesses standing there on that grandstand. Press on. Keep walking. It's worth it. It's worth every trial. It's worth every mile. It's worth every heartache. It's worth the darkness. Keep walking. Keep walking with Jesus. Father, you've seen the hands that were lifted all over this building. Lord, many times we want to give up. Lord, it's crossed my mind many times. Like, why, why do I keep pushing? Why, why do I keep going when I seem to be going nowhere? But Lord, I, I want to be found with these ones we've heard about tonight. Lord, this Seraphonician woman. God, she didn't even let you, you hurt her feelings. She just kept on going. Yeah, you're right. But I'll take the crumbs. Lord, these others, they, they wouldn't give up their chair of belief. Their place where they were standing or sitting, wherever they was at. No matter what the scorn was, no matter what anybody said, no matter what went on around them, they believed. Lord Jesus, help us to believe. Lord, help us not to give up right at the last moments of this race. The finish line is just right in sight. We don't know. It might be this might be the last hill. Might be the last curve we go around. And all of a sudden we'll see those screaming saints of God. I told you it was worth it. I told you it was worth it. I, I was screaming and I, I tried to tell you, press on, little bride. Don't give up. Don't turn around. Don't stop. Don't slack. It's worth it. Father, may we hear their hearts tonight, their voices. Lord, as they would scream out across that banner, that place, Lord, between life and death, and say, press on, keep pressing on. The reward is worth it. Granted tonight for each heart, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Lord. I'll always believe in you. Though I can see you with my eyes. Your presence I find, Lord, I believe in you, and I'll keep my trust in you. Let 
looking back, His love and mercy I see. Though in my heart I have questioned, even failed to been faithful, faithful to me. He's been faithful, faithful to me. Looking back, His love and mercy I see. Though in my heart I have questioned, even failed to believe, but He's been faithful, He's been faithful to me. My God's been faithful, He's been faithful to me. His love and mercy I see Though in my heart I have questioned Even failed to believe But He's been faithful Faithful Oh, see it again He's been faithful He's been faithful, so faithful to me. Looking back, His love and mercy, I see. And in my heart, I have questioned, even faith. Faithful, 